Hello there, Alaskans, wherever you are. Welcome to the Must Read Alaska Show, coming to you from somewhere in Alaska. This is the place where we talk about, you guessed it, Alaska, where we keep the mainstream media on their toes and where we are standing up for what's right and a world run by leftists. You can find out more by heading over to mustreadalaska.com and also checking out the Must Read Alaska YouTube channel for some really great content. But first, let's get this party started. Thank you, Scott. Hello, everybody. Welcome aboard Must Read Alaska, coming to you from somewhere in Alaska. You know, today it's Flag Day, and it's also Donald Trump's 75th birthday. I just think it's wonderful that those two things are on the same day, and, and I, it reminds me of that picture of him hugging the American flag on the stage. I don't know if you've seen it, but it's, it's pretty hilarious. I hope everybody's showing their colors today. You know, these days it's so funny because an American flag can just trigger the left so hard. So be sure to fly it high and trigger away. And, and we just want to thank you to our President Harry Truman, who was a Democrat, who signed this into law so that, that the 14th of June every year is Flag Day. And it just tells you how far the left has gone since those days. Back in those days, uh, Harry Truman was a, a good Democrat. He, um, he was a great president. And in 1949, he, he signed Flag Day into law. Today, you could never find a Democrat who would sign Flag Day into law. Um, I want to just say we have a great guest on our show today, guest host Jay McDonald. He was on the show earlier this year to talk about some election irregularities in the 2020 general election. Uh, I am so happy that you're back with us today, Jay. Welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you for having me again. It's going to be fun. Oh, yeah. And we need to do this more often because we have such a great back and forth. And, and Jay and I talk on the phone a bit. And it's um, it's always interesting because he's got super great perspectives and he's very, very smart. And we were talking um, before the show about what's going on with all the toxic level of politics. And I know I've never seen it so bad in my life. And of course, I'm quite a bit older than you are, Jay, but uh, I don't know that you've ever seen it this bad either. It's so polarizing. It's so um, there's so much crazy talk coming from the left and it, it's just gotten really ugly. Um, I was just thinking, um, you know, Monday is racist. This weather is racist. The PFD is racist. Uh, everything's racist. Everything's just so toxic. And I know you've found that when you've gone door to door, that people are tired of it, aren't they? Yeah. So, I mean, we've all heard the comments, um, you know, when I'm doing political work, going door to door, talking to normal people. A lot of people are just they're so frustrated that everything is just it feels so hateful and so mean-spirited and so dysfunctional and it there's a perception among apolitical average normal day you know voters that our politicians are more concerned with their own personal power than actually doing a good job and just getting the you know the jobs of government the job of government done um and so I think that if we take a close look at the official Democrat Party newsletter, it could yeah. be a little bit enlightening on this particular topic. Well, that's what caught our attention. And um, I'm really glad you brought it up because, you, you know, the, the Democrats have a newsletter that goes out on, a, I don't know, monthly, every, every other week or something. And it is the most toxic newsletter you can imagine. It's so nasty so mean-spirited and it's just not um it's not the kind of newsletter that anybody would really want to open because it's so uh, it's just kind of grotesque and it's like drinking a bottle of drano and you just, ugh, it's just it's not it's not professional it's not 
uh, focused on policy. It's really focused on personal attacks in kind of a vicious way. Yeah. Yeah. So especially, you know, these days, um, you know, there's, there's kind of roving gangs of people online that um, the, it feels like they'll go after just about anybody over like the most, the, the most slight, you know, misspeaking or insult or con, you know, comment taken out of context from years ago. And then in this, while all this culture is going on, I've been getting these newsletters for a long time. And like, this is the official Democrat party newsletter written by their communications director. And some of the stuff that they're saying in these things, it's, it's kind of shocking to me. And like, I really, I don't know what, what their distribution list is, but I really wonder if their legislative colleagues down in Juneau are aware of the things that are being said about them by Democrat mm. legislators and the Democrat party. So like a really great, an example that is really amazing to me that I'd like to start on is the way that they describe Sarah Rasmussen. Well, because, now, wait, 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 just a minute. Now, Sarah Rasmussen, she's a Republican, right? Yeah, so she's a Republican that, you know, uh, you could say that she's got some progressive views on some things, um, but for whatever reason, she kind of identifies more with some people to the left of the aisle, and she's been a key member of the Democrat organization. She doesn't technically belong to their caucus, but she's been a key vote that's been holding them up and getting through a lot of the a lot of the votes this session that have come down to just one like she's the one person allowing them to organize allowing them to pass a budget if it mm. wasn't for sarah rasmussen they wouldn't be able to get any of their priorities done in juno so is a she's a little bit like um she's a little bit like lisa murkowski in that way a little bit of a hostage taker on things just the, kind of the last vote make sure that her vote is the most important vote and, and, and the Republicans really can't count on her for sticking with the, with the team. She's not really a team player. And, and um, I noticed that she, she has a lot more friends in the Democratic Party. She and Zach Fields are really close friends. And um, she parties with a lot of the Democrats, basically. Yeah, so she's a little bit maybe like the Gabby Ledoux, the Lisa Bukowski type Republican. Okay. So yeah, in the context of she's the key vote for Democrats on all of these issues, like here, here's how they describe her in the Democrat Party newsletter. So it says, "Where's Sarah?" is the headline on on the on the no, paragraph. Now what now what issue are you in? What 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 year are you in here? Okay, so this is this is from uh, last October. Okay, around election time. So it said, "Back in the good old days, it was a different Sarah who never wanted to be in Juno. They even made buttons that said where's Sarah' that legislators on both sides of the aisle wore around the Capitol." protesting the then governor's chronic absence. Well, now we've got Sarah 2.0. And they go on to describe her as, so she missed some votes for family reasons while the pandemic travel restrictions were going really crazy in full swing. I remember that. And once she left Juno to go to her uh, grandfather's birthday, I think, she wasn't able to get back because of the pandemic. They actually shut everything down. She couldn't get back into the Capitol. Right. So they, they rip into her over that. And then they have some fake quotes that they're attributing to her, um, I guess, ironically or something. But again, like this is the official newsletter of the Democrat Party, and they're making up quotes and putting them in quote marks oh, and attributing yeah. them to her. And it says, but wait, I had to go to my great grandpa's 100th birthday party in the lower 48 right before the busiest week and the most important votes of the year. And then they have like a little shrugging emoji. Mm-hmm. And it says... 
uh, it goes down. She says, let's see what she's up to these days. And they have a photo of her with Jeff Lanfield in a hot tub. Oh, so that's unfair. That was the year before, wasn't it? I mean, yeah, right. That's, says, that's, uh, that's, a, that's a really low blow, I tell you. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, she's, it says, what's she up to these days when COVID numbers are really spiking in Alaska? Hot tub parties with bloggers, apparently. And it's a photo of her. So, like, I'm really, I'm wondering if she knows how her good friends in the Democrat caucus talk about her behind her back. Because I don't yeah. think that she's been reading these newsletters and seeing how they describe her. Well, actually, I'm looking at this photo now and uh, that you, you sent to me uh, from, the, from this newsletter. And it is from... October 2020. So I guess it was right in the middle of the pandemic. But but I mean, that's kind of a low blow. So what? I mean, this is just vicious stuff. And um, gosh, I hope we, we never stoop that low on our side. I mean, maybe we do, but boy, I don't know. It says here uh, that, they, you know, like you say, they, they put quote marks around this paragraph as though she said it, which she didn't. She said, um, I had to go to my great grandpa's 100th birthday party in the lower 48 right before the busiest week and the most important votes of the year. And then they wouldn't let me back in because of COVID. What could I do? Well, that was true. She was stuck out of state. And, and even though maybe um, they do work five days a week, sometimes seven days a week, you know, on the weekends, they do go home or they do go elsewhere. And let me tell you, great grandpa only turns 100 once in his life. I also, I just, I really love the irony here that they're viciously attacking her for missing votes. When, if that was true, if she was missing votes right now, then they'd really be in trouble. They wouldn't be able to get anything done in the Democratic they, caucus. They need her now, don't they? So I, I imagine that their position on her, her voting record has changed since then, but who knows? Well, I know in the most recent newsletter, they seem to throw her a lot more love. They're not as, uh, they just talk about how, what an important vote she is. So, you know, in the most recent newsletter, I noticed uh, they really go after David Eastman for his trip to uh, Arizona when he went down to just observe the audit. I mean, it's a, it's certainly a good exercise. It, is the audit legitimate? We don't know. It's, uh, but David Eastman probably knows because he went down and he took a tour, but apparently so, that's not good enough. Well, so what the, what they're doing here they're using David Eastman as like as a vector to bring up this conversation, but they're really going after all conservatives, all Republicans. So this this whole paragraph, it's it's so nutty that you can't really take parts out of context. You kind of have to read the whole thing. Okay. So they it. have yeah, so they have a paragraph in in their official newsletter. It says Bamboo Hunter, according to election deniers, a super secret stash of Chinese ballots were filled out for Joe Biden in South Korea and then smuggled via airplane from Seoul right after the election to Phoenix, where they were somehow absorbed into le legitimate ballots and counted. But Trump never, but Trump super secretly put a watermark on mail-in ballots to identify the fraud he just knew was probably going to happen. And the joke's on them because if the ballots were printed in Korea, They'll have super secret bamboo fibers, which will identify them and patriots with this is kind of a run on sentence here it with magnifying, magnifying glass. <laughs> glasses and ultraviolet lights will prove all quotes or all caps that Trump shouldn't just be a civilian playing golf and fending off lawsuits. He should be the president playing golf and fending off lawsuits or something like that. So, I mean, there's a lot of stuff That's in there that we could talk about. That's sort of like drunk blogging right there. I mean, for one thing, they they really have a problem with their punctuation and and so forth. And, and uh, no, I'm I'm not one to talk, but this this paragraph is a mess. 
So I don't know any Republican in professional or casual circles that believes any of these things. And I'm no, really the, wondering who they're talking to to hear this. And who, who um, amongst the Democrats who get this newsletter actually believes that Republicans actually believe this stuff, that there are bamboo fibers printed inside the, the, the phony ballots? So it's, it's just, it's kind of discouraging because they go on to say, you know, David Eastman is not going to find fraud, but what he is doing is, and I'm quoting them here, they say he's undermining confidence in our elect, election system. Oh, well, that's really interesting. So, the, you know, it's, it's really discouraging to see them say this for a number of reasons. First off, there's no confidence in our election system on either side right now. And that's not because of anything that David Eastman did. You know, we went, we just went through three years of Russia collusion investigations mm -hmm. hosted by the left. Mm -hmm. And then there have been a number of people on the right that are upset with, and this is a fact, it's not an opinion that the way that many of these states conducted their elections for whatever reason was not in line with state constitutions. No, it wasn't. It's kind of, because, it's kind of a major yeah. issue. It's a so, huge issue. Right. So if you're a legislator like David Eastman or any legislator in any of these states, your job is to uphold the state constitution and your job is to create a system that the public has faith and confidence in. So how do you do that? You need to look at what happened. You need to look at the audits, have audits and figure out what happened, what worked, what didn't work. Go back, revisit legislation and improve things so that going forward, we can have a system that everybody trusts that works. Yeah. And then and the, they're attacking him for doing that. So I, I went to the morning consult poll in January, and I think uh, I've seen recently that the number of people who have faith in our election system is actually sliding further. But only 33% of Republican voters say they trust US elections now. And that was actually a number that was down by 5% over the previous poll done by morning consult. Now, interestingly enough, in this poll, this was in January, 92% of Democrats actually thought the 2020 election was free and fair. So we've got a pretty strong divide, a, a strong difference of opinion about whether or not that election is free and fair. I am a Republican and I looked at what happened after the election. I started you know, taking it apart and saying what happened. And yet attorney generals from all these, attorneys general from all these different states got together and they got legislation passed across these different states to have all mail-in ballots because of the pandemic. So it's supposed to be kind of a one-off thing where everybody's going to get mail-in ballots. And that's what happened in many states where they just said, we're going to mail ballots to everyone. Now, they didn't do that in Alaska. What happened is our lieutenant governor said, listen, we're going to mail ballots to people age 65 and older because that's target market for this virus. And we want to make sure those people are safe. That got sued, remember, by the ACLU who said, well, what about disabled people? What about other people who can't get to the polls? You should be mailing it to everyone. This was part of a national plan to try to get every state to do all mail-in ballots. It is so devious. But our lieutenant governor did not fall for that, and the courts didn't either. They said, you know what, we, we're going to allow this, the, the division of elections to run the elections the way they see fit. So the ACLU lost that. Yeah, and at the end of the day, the ultimate authority to describing the form and function of these elections is 
it's the legislature. It's the job of the legislature to create the system mm -hmm. that we're going to use. And then the executive branch executes the plan that the legislature has given them. So as a legislator, if there's serious problems in the system or if there's a lack of public faith and confidence in the system, you need to evaluate the process, find ways that you can improve it, and then propose legislation. It's and your job. It's your job as a legislator to check this stuff out. He, he, he did a great service for us. Right. And, and nowhere in this process does that entail any sort of partisanship, like bias or preference or, you know, any of those things. So it makes, you have to ask if we've got a toxic influence that's being disruptive and not being helpful in this process and being hyperpartisan, who is it? Is it David Eastman and other legislators that are looking at what happened, what went wrong and how can they improve things? Or is it the Democrat party that is peddling these really wild conspiracy theories and viciously attacking people that are just trying, it almost sounds ridiculous to say it, but he's literally just doing his job. Yes. How dare you? How dare you question the results of this system? Now, remember, 2020 was a year when 19 out of the 20 bellwether counties voted for Trump in the country. So you had and, and then there's only one bellwether county it was Clallam County in Washington state that voted for Biden. It was an extraordinary result. And, and I think that extraordinary results like that do deserve us to take a closer look and see what happened because there were just so many weird little things. And then social media, of course, um, does apply a lot of crazy theories out there that well, things that I, I don't believe. Also, you know, I, I, I kind of reject their whole framing of the issue because you need to dial things back a minute. When you're talking about just auditing the process, Auditing the process does not challenge or overturn results. You're just looking at what happened and how. Mm -hmm. Okay, so there's there's no craziness happening there. It's just yeah. we're doing an audit to see what happened and how it happened. And then if we come up with issues, then we've got information that we can move forward with. You and know. if not, and if not, my goodness, that should build confidence. So why not? The, the, the Republicans in Arizona, the Senate said, yes, we're going to go ahead and audit the whole thing. Unlike with Barbara Jones here in Anchorage, where when she says she's going to audit an election, she only audits a few ballots. She, she samples a few and says, yeah, that looks good enough for well, her. Well, exactly. Like if the Democrat Party's official position is that there should be more faith and confidence in elections. Absolutely. I agree with them. And the way that you do that is by having a clear and transparent audit and showing people like, here's all the evidence, everything worked exactly how it needed to. And no, there was no funny business. So why would you resist that? Yeah. Why? Well, because you are afraid that they're going to find something that looks irregular. And it sounds to me like there may be a few things they found that were irregular, maybe not enough to overturn that particular election in Maricopa County, but it sounds like there are, that, that, that race is going to be tighter when the audit is done than it was before. Hey, but they do go on. They, they really love, they're obsessed with David Eastman. I got to tell you that the Democrats just think he's the most bizarre thing. And, and they go on about him, don't they? Yeah, so they, they wrap up that little segment by saying, and let's not forget that David Eastman was at the Capitol in DC during the January 6th insurrection. Okay, so I would love to ask them, like, why, what are you telling us we need to not forget? 
Are you, yeah. are they accusing David Eastman of committing some kind of crime? Uh, yeah, there's... actually, actually, he wasn't anywhere really near the Capitol. He was in the in the U.S. Capitol. That's true. And he went and heard the Trump speech. That's true. Right. Him and him and a couple million people. Yeah. Went to and, a, a Trump rally. Right. And then they, they posed with a photo. And it says here he posted this photo that night after the rioting had taken place. What are they trying to infer here? Well, he did have a flag in the photo and he is a oh, Trump supporter. I so see, yeah. That's that might it. not be a crime yet, but maybe if you wait a little while, it could be in the future at some point. We'll see. And, and you know, it, it, it's um, a lot of Alaskans went and we know that the Alaskans who went to D.C. are now under a lot of pressure from the FBI that they're going to have to prove one. Some people are going to have to prove that they weren't in D.C. They've been interrogated even though they weren't there. And then others who were in D.C. are having to sort of prove that they weren't in the building because they like the, the couple down in, in Homer that were raided. Yeah, that, that really incredible raid that happened down in Homer. And I'll just say as a side note, I was really discouraged to hear that their constitution that was confiscated was returned unopened because that <laughs> might have been the only chance we had for those FBI agents to read the constitution and see what was in it. Apparently so I'm, they just I'm a little bit flipped. disappointed. Yeah, I just flipped through it looking for notes or looking for underlines or something that would prove that these guys had, had were were uh, were violent rioters, which of course is the the Constitution doesn't support. But that, that is probably the last chance that those FBI agents will ever have to see what's in the Constitution. They'll they'll never have contact in it with it again. Is would yeah. be my guess. Yeah, they they've swore they swore to uphold it. I'm not sure any of them read it, but it's hilarious that they took the and and really Marilyn Huber who got raided by the FBI. She uh, she said she found that uh, that Constitution in a box. It was just a box of some random stuff they had. And she's pulling. It. I said, you know, we really ought to be reading the Constitution more. And so she kind of pulled it out and had it handy so that they, you know, we're going to read this and re refresh our minds on it. And and that's what they picked up and said, aha, you. You were at the Capitol. You raided the U.S. Capitol. So, but, you know, the next topic on this um, newsletter is also kind of interesting. It's, it's all about Gabrielle Ledoux and her uh, indictment as interpreted by her Democrat friends, because they're not friends of hers anymore. Now that she's been indicted, she's back to being a Republican, I guess. Yeah, so they, they make a really odd transition um, from basically saying that there's absolutely no, like nobody should question elections. And mm -hmm. if you do, then that's, that's bad or something. But then they bring up the fact that representative Ledoux is now indicted, I believe is, is that where she's at now? She was indicted? Yeah. On five charges, but you know, you you raised an interesting point. So in the paragraph before the Democrats say, how dare you challenge election results? And then they go on to talk about Gabby Ledoux as committing election fraud. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, so it's kind of kind of an odd choice of, you know, covering we're really just covering both of these topics in the same newsletter. Um, kind of it requires a, a little bit of um, they don't really mesh well together. But if you look past that, I love the way that they describe Representative Ledoux. So this is the Democrat Party. In Alaska, they describe Gabrielle Ledoux. I'm going to just read this short little paragraph real quick. They say, Ledoux is a former Republican chair of the powerful House Rules and House Judiciary Committees 
an attorney and served in the house both as representative from Kodiak and later East Anchorage. And in 2019, she broke with her caucus on a budget vote to support a $3,000 PFD. So if you just heard that and you don't know anything about what happened or who she was or any of those things, you'd assume like, oh man, she's like a super Republican. Well, in reality, uh, you know, in her own words, Gabriella Du has always been a Democrat and she ran as a Republican so that she could win office in Republican areas. And I'm not trying to like disparage her or like besmirch her character. That's how she describes her political career. Correct. And when all these things happened, you know, when she was the former Republican chair of the powerful House Rules Committee, that was her in the Democrat caucus in those positions. She is the is was the most powerful member of the Muskox caucus coalition, which is the breakaway Republicans who, who caucus with Democrats. Also, let us not forget that Gabrielle Ledoux is a Berkeley Democrat. She went to Berkeley. She's she's really um, cradle raised Democrat, and she was a Democrat in um, Kodiak. And then when she moved to East Anchorage, she actually she moved to Anchorage. She looked around for what district would most suit her easiest to win in is the lowest performing district in the state. The lowest voter turnout is the J Bear district. Very Republican though, a lot of military people. And so she she filed, moved in that district and filed in that district two years later. She is a, a Democrat in sheep's clothing. Yeah. So now that we know all that, the Democrat party goes on to say, while Republicans are busy looking for voter fraud from China and hunting down an imaginary democratic cabal of pedophiles trying to overturn a presidential election what we, we can that's what they say that i'm reading it up verbatim a, this is the democrat party communications director putting this out in their official newsletter they pedophiles? say right so we can all be comforted they go on we can all be comforted by the fact that when there is actual alleged voter fraud even when it's a sitting republican lawmaker cough cough that's what they're saying the system finds it and prosecutes it so mm. they they throw in more really zany conspiracy theories that I have honestly I don't have any idea what they're talking about with this democratic cabal of pedophiles. Well, how, I'd about, love to... how about Jeffrey Epstein, um, Bill Clinton? Maybe that's who they're talking about. I don't want to put words in their mouth. I actually I would like it if the Democrat Party goes a little further and puts out a press release where they're clarifying exactly what democratic cabal of pedophiles they're talking about. <laughs> and, and how that factors into the presidential election, because I haven't heard anything about this, and I really would like to hear more. Yeah, like, the, who are these Democrats who, that are pedophiles? Yeah, I'd like to, I'd like to get that information. Yeah, this is just crazy talk, man. And it's, so then, so then, let's go on to this next piece that where they absolutely bring out the acid wash for Christy Babcock. And they, they, they even go so far as to basically call her a nasty woman. Now, I didn't know that you could still do that. I thought the Democrats said nobody could, could call somebody a nasty woman, but they go after Christy Babcock with all the long knives. Yeah, so if, if anybody doesn't know, Christy Babcock is married to Tuckerman Babcock, the former chair of the Republican Party. And this is a real inside baseball thing, but she was up for, um, she was nominated to be appointed to the Alaska Judicial Council, which, you know, it's some real technical stuff about recommending people for appointments to the judiciary and this and that. It's stuff that yeah. like most, only the most astute political observers even followed these kinds of things. So it was a little bit interesting for 
of all things for them to see them the democratic party just really key in on and attack christy babcock in this situation you know first well, off they did it because she's married to Tuckerman and they hate Tuckerman. So the, the thing about this, Christy Babcock is a unique person. She's her own person. It turns out she is not actually the property of Tuckerman Babcock. Seriously. She, she does not share all of his views. She has her own opinions. She's an independent woman. And she, I'm not aware of anything that she's done for them to go after her and they don't really make any they don't make that clear like when they're attacking her they don't mention anything that she's done in the past that makes them you know so concerned about her and her record they're just talking about tuckerman so when you're talking about the democratic party i'd like to know what the rules are in these conversations ah, the way that oh. the way that they describe women like christy babcock we, if we talk about democrats in that way rightfully so they would be outraged mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so how how does it, how does this work you know why are you going after christy why is it appropriate for you to target her and attack her in this way and i'd just like them to lay out a set of rules that everybody can follow because when they switch back and forth it really <laughs> you know this constant gaslighting where they're going to viciously attack this woman in a very um misogynistic way frankly truly Truly. But then they expect us to be hyper vigilant about, you know, comments that people make on social media going back decades. You know, it's hard to mesh those two stances on things. And it, it's difficult to understand how we're supposed to communicate with each other when the rules are so unclear. And yeah. like you mentioned, they even they describe her as being they say that she's a nasty woman, you know. So it's like, yeah when it's, they're basically they're channeling donald trump in their attacks on christy babcock which and is, you can say is, oh well if if it's okay with you when when trump said these words and used these things mm -hmm. then we can do it too well it doesn't actually work that way if you want us to be upset when trump does something and then you're going and doing the same thing i want you to lay out the rules why is it okay when you do it why is it not okay when he does it Right. Well, and, and just so uh, listeners know, Christy Babcock advocated for a certain judge from Kotzebue to be appointed to the bench of the Supreme Court. And it was, it was Paul Roteman, who has a, been a judge out in Kotzebue for a long time. Now, he is Hispanic and he serves in a rural area. And it's the, the Democrats are calling him a right wing ex extremist judge. And so I don't know. I don't know where to go with that. He's, he's Hispanic. He serves a rural area. Nobody's ever called him a right-wing extremist judge before. But you know, this is what the official word, the official label from the Democratic Party is, is that he's an extremist judge. And so Christie was advocating for him because she had just gone through this, this nomination process where they had criticized her because she wasn't from rural Alaska. She's from Kenai, a soldata to be precise. And so so Dotna wasn't a place that they wanted her to be from. They wanted her to be from, you know, off the road system in Nome or Diomede or someplace else. So she did get through on her own merits and it was a fairly close vote, but she's on the judicial council. And then that they're in the process of picking the new Supreme Court justice to replace Justice Bolger. And, uh, and she advocated for Paul Rotman, a rural judge from rural Alaska. 
But boy, that they just went nuts on him and they exactly. went nuts on her. This, this is where it comes in, like the really confusing, the shifting goalposts, the shifting standards. When she was up for confirmation, they, they said that she absolutely should not get it because rural representation is our priority. Mm-hmm. And then so she, she ended up getting appointed for various reasons. And then she says, okay, well, if rural representation is a priority, I have a preference for this judge. And that's what they're attacking her for. Like just a moment ago, the people that said rural pref- like the rural um, community member needs, we need to have that representation. That's our priority. That's the standard that they gave her. And then when she ran off of that and she endorsed this person who met those standards that were given to her by the Democrat party, then they're viciously attacking her and calling her a nasty woman. Mm -hmm. These guys are incredible. So um, this, this newsletter, uh, how do we get on the list of it? Do we just, can anybody get on the list for this newsletter or or is it for special people or, or what? Uh, It's, it's for very special people who go to the Democrat party website and mm-hmm. sign up for their newsletter. Because okay. again, all of these things are official communications published by the paid professional official Democrat Party communications director. So if you want to hear all about how Sarah Rasmussen is hot tubbing with Jeff Lanfield and mm-hmm. Democrat <laughs> pedophile cabals working the presidential election, then sign up for the Democrat Party communications director's newsletter and they will tell you all about it i assume at some point in the future maybe we'll who knows what we can find next month in the next edition well we're going to do this again and i really appreciate you being on the show this has been so fun to um to go through this newsletter with you it's just um it's really something that i open up now and then and i just look at i shake my head and i think the writing is okay, but it's just so caustic. It's so nasty. Does anybody ever really read it? And and people I would, be, I would encourage yeah. everyone to sign up for this newsletter and I would encourage them to read it when it comes out. And then as they're reading it, to think in their mind, who's the adult in their room? Who's the person yeah. that's being toxic? Who yeah. really wants to make things better and who's making things worse? Are these people uplifting the political dialogue and the conversation or not? Oh, heck, oh, heck no. Heck no. So everybody, before we go, if you really want to get a good newsletter, go over to mustreadalaska.com and sign up for the Must Read Alaska newsletter. Now, I am not the official spokesman for the Republican Party. I am just an independent writer, and it's an independent newsletter with an independent blog attached to it. And if, if you go there you and during the legislative session, you'll also get Club MRAC, which is the legislative report. Now, we're kind of past that now, but we'll start that up again in January. And also tune into the show midweek for the Must Read Alaska podcast, which is always hosted by Scott Levesque, our midweek host show uh, expert. And he's doing a great job on that. Uh, Scott, you're gonna have so much to talk about this week because the PFD is front and center on everybody's minds. And if you're a supporter of Must Read Alaska, thank you so very much. You're the one who makes it possible for us to stand up for what's right in Alaska. So if you'd like to help us out, go to the donate button on the right side over at mustreadalaska.com. And we'll keep staying strong and independent and thoughtful and showing the liberal activist news media for what they are. Until next week, everybody, we're signing off from somewhere in Alaska.